Good morning and happy Easter 2021. He is risen. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? We'll be reading out of Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, Trinity Church. And trust me, we're not done singing. We're going to come back to singing. We're going to look in God's Word and respond some more in song and in praise to what this special day is all about. And um, we're so thankful that you're here to be a part of this worship service. Thank you, team, for leading us into the presence of the throne in uh, those songs this morning. Forever He is alive. That's what brings us together this morning, right? And speaking of being alive and here, Robert Dunlap is here. Ten days after quadruple bypass surgery. Praise the Lord for that. Wow. Talk about a, a walking miracle twice over, Robert. So I know so many of you have been praying for him, so just had to acknowledge that. Praise the Lord that you are up and walking and able to be here on this Easter Sunday morning. Um, keep praying. Robert's still in recovery mode, although you'd hardly know that looking at him. But just don't go punch him in the chest this morning. That would not be the right thing to do. Not, not a good greeting for today. But so glad that God is working in your body and your life, Robert. Um, you know, when we... Uh, we're met, we met this morning, some of you were out there at our sunrise service out here at the terraces, and uh, praise the Lord, we had no idea what to expect. I thought it might have just been 10 or 15 of us out there. 250 people showed up for this sunrise service this morning. It was glorious. <clears throat> it, it was about 25 degrees colder than it is right now, so it 
it was a little chilly out there, so I understand those that didn't choose to come, but uh, what a great way as a community to worship our Lord. And one of the things we did was similar to what Beth said this morning. We started with this as a threefold proclamation of the resurrection. I'd like to do it again this service. We did it at our 9 o'clock service. So I say Christ is risen. You You respond saying Christ is risen indeed, and we do it three times, and each time gets a little bit louder, a little more emphatic, a, a little more, you know, shaking the windows by the third time, all right? So, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen. And you know, when we say that, we are not only proclaiming what the angel said, as we heard in that passage, we're going to come back to in a minute, that Jesus is risen. Just the fact of that, when we say, when you respond, Christ is risen indeed, you are saying, I believe that. I trust that. I am living on that. I'm staking my life on that. He is risen indeed. And so that's our proclamation this morning, based on the angel's words at the tomb. But you know, the angel said something else in this passage that Beth read a moment ago that we sometimes slip right past. And I want to land on that for a few minutes this morning. The angel said to the women, you will see him. You will see him. I want to talk about the significance of that because sometimes we forget that Jesus was on the earth for another 40 days after his resurrection showing himself. Why? What did that mean? Why is that significant? We're going to talk about that for a few minutes this morning, this Easter. We need that reminder. So let's pray. Lord, we come to your word this morning, and we are thankful, so thankful that we have this beautiful day, this opportunity to come together as your people, an opportunity we missed last year, an opportunity that had to be done virtually last year, that this year we can come together in in your presence and we can proclaim the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I thank you for those that are here. I thank you for those that are watching online. I thank you for those that are meeting in congregations all over the world today to proclaim and to celebrate your resurrection. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive, that you are on the throne, that you are hearing these prayers, these songs, this praise right now. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would work in this time, speak through your word. I pray that you would give me your words, help me to accurately, rightly communicate what you have for us this morning about your resurrection. And Lord, by the spirit that you sent, I pray that you would help us better understand and by your living word, teach us this morning how to live this resurrection life. And it's the name of Jesus, our risen Savior, that we pray this morning. Amen. So history is repeating itself a bit in our family. We have our kids and grandkids with us over this weekend. Some of you are seeing family this weekend that you haven't seen for a long time, as are we. And, you know, our, our kids, when I was, when they were little, I was working, there, there was kind of a routine. I think I mentioned before how they would come to the front window and sit and watch and wait for me to pull back into the car, uh, in the car into the driveway. Daddy's home. They're waiting for Daddy to get home. Well, now our grandsons do that. So our kids in Atlanta, they sent this picture out just this past week. And there's our little grandsons, Mark and Nathan, at their front window, waiting, waving, looking for their daddy to come home. And our daughter, Lindsay, is telling them all the while, he's coming. He'll be here. Just keep watching. You will see him. Because they know when Daddy gets home, 
It's going to be chase around the house time. It's going to be wrestle on the floor time. There's going to be some kind of fun, wild and crazy games that they get to play because daddy's coming home. Jesus made the promise that we would see him, that his followers would see him. There was an anticipation that was needed. Think about the resurrection of Jesus for just a moment. Think outside the box for just a moment. Jesus could have chosen to come back and shown himself right back in the temple, the same place where days before he had overthrown the tables and scattered the coins everywhere. He could have come back and shown himself to the soldiers who crucified him. He could have shown him to the priests who condemned him. He could have shown himself to Pilate, to Herod, to the high priest, but he didn't do any of that. He didn't show himself. As I think, if I were scripting the resurrection story, I would have had Jesus come back in your face kind of thing for the people that were part of his death. But that wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's way. There could have been another scenario. Jesus could have resurrected from the dead and gone right back into heaven. Resurrection, ascension, back to the throne, and not shown himself to anyone. That, that could have been the story. That could have been the plan. But would the followers of Jesus, having seen only an empty tomb, have had the faith to believe that he was alive? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But that's not what happened. Jesus instead chose to show himself to his followers and only to his followers. The angel promised this. You will see him. Over the past uh, few months here, we've been, in the month of March, we've been in the, the signs of the passion. We've been going back to the Old Testament looking at these pictures, these symbols of Christ and His passion, His suffering, His death, His resurrection, and how the Old Testament showed us in vivid forms what was going to happen to the Son of God when He came to earth. But the resurrection itself, when it happened, was a sign to those who were following Jesus, a significant sign, a needed sign. And so this morning, that's our focus, the sign of the resurrection. And if you look in, we won't, this isn't our passage, but I just want you to know that in 1 Corinthians 15, we you heard some of that during the song a moment ago, the, the later verses of the chapter, early in the chapter, Paul is describing the gospel, and he says that Jesus appeared after his resurrection. So he tells us some of the people he appeared to. He appeared to Peter, he appeared to the apostles, and so some of these we know from the gospels. We see that, and we can read about that. But Peter, uh, Paul tells us a few other things in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus appeared to his half-brother James. That's significant. James becomes a leader in the church, but he probably was not a believer in Jesus before the crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus shows himself to James. And then Paul tells us that he appeared to 500 of his followers at one time. I mean, amazing. But we have no description of that in the Gospels. So we don't know where that was or what it looked like or who all was there, but 500 at one time saw the resurrected Christ. So why did Jesus do this? 
What we know is for 40 days from his resurrection, before his ascension, Jesus showed himself different times, different places to his followers. I want to propose to you this morning that Jesus did that. He showed himself so that his followers would have something to live for and something that they would be willing to die for. Because that was going to happen to some of them. They were going to give their lives for what they believed about Jesus. The resurrection was that important. And the resurrection for His followers breathed new life and faith into them that they didn't have after Jesus died. They were hopeless. They were hiding. They were, didn't know what to do. They were devastated till the resurrection, till they saw Jesus. So this morning for a few minutes, I just want us to see a couple of passages that tell us what this meant. What did the appearance of Jesus after His resurrection mean for His followers? The first is that passage you heard a moment ago. So please take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28, or your phone, electronic device, whatever you have with you to follow along. Matthew 28, those first verses, we have the women at the tomb. This is the first appearance. And I love the way Matthew describes the scene here because the angel, he says, rolls back the stone and then he sat on it. He just sat on the stone. You know, if, it's like when you bring a, a new chair, recliner or something into your house, and for the first time, you sit on it in, the, in your house. It's kind of like, ah, it's here. Here's my chair. And the angel is like, this is it. It's done. The stone is rolled away. And then Luke goes, uh, Matthew goes on to explain this. In verse 4, he describes the guards I love this. They were so afraid of the angel, Luke says, they shook and became like dead men. So suddenly they're just unconscious. They shake and then they fall on the ground unconscious. I would have loved to see that, just watch that happen to these tough, sturdy guards. These ones who were supposed to be guarding this dead man's tomb became like dead men themselves, Matthew tells us. And the one who was supposed to be dead in the tomb that they were supposed to be guarding was very much alive and gone. The complete reversal, the contrast, it's just amazing how Matthew puts this together. And so we have the angel on the stone, and he says, shining like lightning, and the guards are on the ground, lights out. And what did the angel say to the women? What are the first words? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What, what were they afraid of? You ever thought about that? Uh, do not be afraid. But afraid of what? Afraid of him? I mean, this bright, shining angel that would have certainly been something to be afraid of potentially. What was it? The guards that were laying on the ground? Well, they didn't really have to be afraid of them. They're out. Or was it something to do with the tomb? Remember, they had come to anoint a body. They expected, they still, Sunday morning, expected Jesus to be dead. And the angel invites them in to see the empty tomb. And so it seems like their fear must have been related to this search for Jesus. Look at their mood in verse 8 as they, they hurry away. The angel sends them on their way. Verse 8, now they were afraid yet filled with joy. Okay, so they've heard the angel's announcement. He is not here. He is risen Go tell his disciples. 
So there's joy. Yes, yeah, all right, yeah, maybe. But there's still fear. They were still afraid. Have you ever had those mixed emotions? You're joyful about something, but you're still fearful about what else is coming. And that's where these women were. Maybe still afraid because it all seemed so amazing, too good to be true, as we often say. It just seemed impossible. Maybe they were afraid Jesus was actually still dead and the angel just got it wrong, or maybe they were just seeing things. Any of those kind of things could have been going through their heads. So what did they need next? To, to dispel, dispel those fears completely, what did they need? They needed to see Jesus. That's exactly what happens next. Look at verse 9. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. This just strikes me. <laughs> Greetings. That's his one and only word to them to begin with. Greetings. But it was enough for them to fall at his feet grab onto Him and worship Him. And then Jesus said exactly what the angel had said to them, do not be afraid. Because only His words, only His presence could dispel those fears for them. This was their moment. In worshiping Him, their fears fall away their fears of death, their fears of sorrow, their fears of the unknown, their fears that all hope had been lost. It's all gone when they see Jesus. So the, what we learn from this is Jesus appeared to these women to restore their courage, to restore their faith. Because if Jesus was alive, then they didn't need to be afraid of anything. They could face whatever came next, even though they didn't know what it was. And they could do what Jesus told them to do, and that is go and tell. Now they could go and tell in confidence because they'd seen Jesus, not just heard somebody else tell them that Jesus was risen. They had seen Him. So here's what we learn, I think, from this first appearance for Jesus. We need the resurrection of Christ to displace and dispel our fears because we have fears too especially our fears related to death. And those probably plague us the most. For of our own death, death of a loved one, death of friends, the fear that life will end, that affects us more than anything. And it's that fear that's addressed here. Jesus shows them Himself alive. And so the resurrection, here's our lesson, is a sign of God's life. Resurrection is a sign of life, not just any life, God's life, restoring His Son to life. And because of that, the promise for our life. See, the resurrection assures us that not only is Jesus alive, but that because He is alive, we have hope for life after death too. If it weren't for the resurrection, we could not hold on to that hope. But as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.14, by His power God raised the Lord from the dead and He will raise us also. In such simple words, such a powerful promise, the one who has the power to raise Jesus has the power to raise you and me and all who put their faith in Him. So Christ appeared to show us what resurrection life is all about, to show us that it's real, to show us in living color that resurrection can happen. If it can happen for Jesus, 
He can make it happen for us. You know, this Easter, many of you decided it wasn't enough just to have your own nice Easter dinner, which probably many of us are going home to later today, that you wanted to help us provide dinner for other people in our community. And so we put that out a couple weeks ago here at Trinity, asked you to bring in food and the makings in a bag for an Easter dinner for a family. And by God's grace and your generosity, 178 dinner bags came over the last couple weeks. Our benevolence committee and fund kicked in. We provided 72 more because we had promised CARES, our partner in this, that we would provide 250 meals. So we got all 250 meals together. And at the, at the time when we first agreed to this, we thought we were also going to have to fund the, in some way, find hams to go along with this because you provided everything else, but the meat, the main course was missing. So we were going to provide that. And the day after we agreed to do this, still not knowing how we were going to do it, what we now call the miracle of the hams happened <laughs> because the cares had told us before, you know, there's nothing available at the food bank. And then the next day it popped up. There was ham available they were able to purchase for 250 meals for $85. That's a steal. If you've tried to buy a ham recently, <laughs> hams for 250 families for $85 is a great deal. So we were able to do that and more through CARES, who's now this past week has distributed all 250 of those hams and dinners to people. Because you see, it's not enough for us to have life-giving food ourselves. It's about sharing that, helping others have that gift as well. Jesus came and was resurrected, not just for His own life, but to give us life, to share that resurrection life with any and all of us who so desperately need it, who would not have life if it were not for Him. Jesus was raised to alleviate our fears of death and to share His eternal life with us. And just that would be alone, that alone would be enough, but it goes on because the end of chapter 28 in Matthew, verse 10 says, Jesus told the women to tell His disciples and notice what he tells them. He said, tell them, they will see me too. So it wasn't enough for this group of women to see Jesus. There were others who needed to see him too, his disciples especially. So that's our next focus point this morning, the disciples in the house. So here we move to Luke chapter 24, the middle of this chapter. So if you have your Bible, again, turn on from Matthew. Now go to Luke, Luke's account of the resurrection, but not at the beginning of the day, now to the end of the day. So here we are Sunday night of Resurrection Day. And the disciples are gathered together behind locked doors. How do we know? Luke doesn't tell us that, but John does in his gospel account. He says, yes, the doors were locked when we were meeting. Now, maybe John was the one who went over there and flipped the lock. I don't know. But he knew the doors were locked, and Jesus suddenly appears. Right through the door, right through the walls, he appears in their midst. And at that point, the disciples had heard the women's report that they saw Jesus, the two on Emmaus, Luke tells us that story just before, Jesus had appeared to them, they came back and told the disciples, so they'd heard these stories, but again, the disciples hadn't seen Him yet. So Jesus comes, Jesus appears to them. Verse 36, Luke 24, while they were still talking about this, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. 
They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. So here we have fear again. It seems to be the natural response to the resurrected Jesus. They just don't know. What, what, they were, they're afraid. He just suddenly appears, and so they think this is a ghost of some kind. They'd heard others declare Jesus was alive, but they couldn't be sure. And here, I just need to say this because I think we've got to catch this. In the absence of faith, fear reigns. When faith has been diminished, when it's lacking, fear fills in the gaps. It takes its place. It's as true for us as it was for these disciples. Because of the, the crucifixion, because what they'd seen with their eyes, they were behind locked doors, they were doubting, they were fearful. Fear was filling in because their faith had eroded. So Jesus says to them, verse 38, why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands, look at my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Well, all that apparently still wasn't quite enough. Luke says by verse 41, they still didn't believe because of joy and amazement. So here, the disciples are kind of like where the women were, right? They're joyful, oh, this is Jesus, but wait, but wait, still amazement, like this couldn't be happening. We've got to be seeing things. He can't actually be here. He can't possibly be alive. They're still struggling to believe this, but their faith is growing. It's coming back. So what does Jesus do next? I love this. He eats a piece of fish. Ah, they must have had dinner out on the table as he goes over. Here's the Captain D's bag, and he reaches in, pulls out a fillet, and he starts munching. He eats before them to show them he's not a ghost, to show them that he's really there. This is a reality check for the disciples right here. And it's the ultimate purpose that he describes next. Watch this, verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus opened their minds. He explained the Scriptures to them. He showed them how He fulfilled those Scriptures for them. This was the Old Testament Scriptures, the prophecies, the Psalms, everything He describes there. And then He reveals the purpose of His death and resurrection, that it's for the forgiveness of sins. And then He says, and you're going to go tell other people about this. Jesus... It makes it so personal. Look at the, the short statement, verse 48. You are witnesses of these things. Now, Jesus could not have said that if they had not seen him. He appeared to them after his resurrection so that they could be witnesses of what they had seen. And he sends them out filled with power that is going to come in the form of the Holy Spirit. We'll read about that in just a minute. So why did Jesus appear to His disciples? Well, for them especially, it was to renew their calling. 
Yes, they needed courage too, just like the women, but for them, it was more about the calling because remember when Jesus first called these 12, He said to them, I will make you fishers of men. And they had been following Jesus for three years trying to figure out what that meant and what their role was and what they were supposed to do. And then when Jesus died on that cross, they thought that was it. The, the, the plan is over. It, it, we can't follow that anymore. They had lost their calling, or they thought. And Jesus renews it right here. Because Jesus was alive, they could now be witnesses. They could now preach with confidence. Because Jesus had fulfilled those Old Testament scriptures, now they could explain that to other people, how Jesus was the fulfillment of the, of the Word. Now, because they had seen Him, they could proclaim the truth. Because they saw Him, they could make sense, finally, of everything they had experienced. So here's why we need the resurrection. Second thing is we need the resurrection of Christ to make sense of God's Word ourselves and to be able to explain it to other people. If it were not for the resurrection and His resurrection life in us, we could not do that. The resurrection is the sign of God's truth because Jesus, in coming back to life, fully fulfilled all the Scriptures about Himself. He not only spoke the truth, He fulfilled the truth, and He was the truth. So in a sense, Jesus was a reality check for the disciples. I mentioned our kids and grandkids, again, fresh on my mind because they've been with us this weekend, but they're at a stage with their little ones, especially the three-year-olds, where um, they're just a lot of fears, and it reminds me of when our daughter Lindsay was little, about that age, three, four years old, and every night when we tucked her in, we would have to alleviate her fears, same fears every night. So she'd say, are there lions and bears under my bed? Now, I assure you, we never had lions and bears in our house, not real ones anyhow. So it, it was an unreasonable fear, but most three-year-old fears are unreasonable, right? And so we would have to assure, I'd look under the bed, no, Lindsay, it's okay. There's nothing under your bed. There's no bear. There's there no lions. Everything's okay. We're going to be in the house. We'll be right here. Everything's fine. You can go to sleep. I'd give her information. I'd give her affirmation. I'd, I'd just say, it's okay to alleviate those fears. And Jesus, in His resurrection, just as we were a reality check for our little daughter, what's real and what's not real, we had to explain that to her, Jesus comes back to give this reality check to His disciples and to us, to tell us that a lot of our fears are not real. We don't have to be afraid. We can understand the truth, know the truth, proclaim the truth, Notice what Jesus says to His disciples in verse 49. After going through all this, He says, Stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So He's saying, okay, help's on the way. I know you still need some help, but the Holy Spirit is coming. Hang on, wait, <clears throat> I'll send My Spirit to you. And that leads us to this last post-resurrection scene. Look at, verse, uh, look at Acts. Switch over to Acts, the believers on the mountaintop here. Acts chapter 1. 
So as we look at Acts 1, remember, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, but then he just kept writing. Luke also wrote the, gospel, the, the book of Acts, so he continued on telling us what happened in the history of the early church. <clears throat> Where did it go next? So he says in, in verse 3, because he gives us insight to the purpose of the appearances of Jesus. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. That he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, wouldn't you have loved to hear some of those sermons? What was it Jesus said about the kingdom, about the church? How did he prepare this little group of followers to become a worldwide movement that we now call Christianity? What did he say? We don't have record of those sermons, of those those messages, but he was speaking to them about the kingdom, preparing them for what was next, but they were still struggling. Look at verse 6. They say to, to Jesus, he's just about to ascend into heaven, 40 days with them. Right now they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still didn't get it. They still thought this was going to be a literal Israelite kingdom that was going to be set up right then and there, but that wasn't the time or the place. So Jesus says in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus' followers were going to build this kingdom that Jesus had been talking about by being the church, empowered and dwelt by God's Holy Spirit to be able to do that. So Jesus is preparing them to establish that kingdom, to establish the church. Because Jesus was alive, the kingdom was a reality, and the king was going to send the Spirit to help build that reality, this reality that we still enjoy 2,000 years later. Because only a living king could launch a living kingdom. Only a living Savior could send a living Spirit to indwell. So we need the resurrection of Christ, and here's our third point this morning, we need the resurrection to guide our kingdom work, to know what to do, to know how to be the church. The resurrection helps guide us in that. The early believers, you know, remember we're called followers of the way. Jesus came to show the way. They were called that because they followed Jesus, the way of Jesus, and because Jesus, they knew and proclaimed, was the only way to heaven. And so here's the third reason Jesus came. The sign is a sign of the way. The way, God's way, would be through His church, His living presence on earth, and His Holy Spirit indwelling His people. I, I remember sharing this particular story back when it happened in 2018. Um, do you remember this? And I think it was in um, maybe in June or July. It was summertime of 2018. This a soccer team from Thailand went out and, and were hiking in these uh, trails and caves somewhere in Thailand. And they, uh, they got into these caves way back in and monsoon rains began to come down. Apparently, they didn't know what would happen. The caves actually flooded. So they could not get back out of the caves the way they had gone in once that rainwater all came down in. And you remember, there's a very dramatic. 
they knew that they were in there. They, the searchers were trying to find them, discovered them two and a half miles back into those caves with no way to get them out or no visible, obvious way to get them out. They brought in divers and cavers from all over the world, professionals who knew how to do this, and even still they had trouble figuring this out. They finally got lines and oxygen tanks and masks, whatever else they needed, back in there to this group of, of kids and their leaders, and one by one began bringing them out. The rescuers went through those waters to bring those people back out through those waters of death, as it were, to find life and to be saved. And they saved them all. Jesus went through the waters of death to bring us out from death to life. The way, the only way, the only way out for them was the way those divers brought them out. The only way out for us is through Jesus Christ. Jesus went through death and came back to life and showed Himself to show His followers the way. Maybe you've already noticed in our passages, three passages we looked at, three key words that have a tie-in. They're connected to each other. Jesus connected them, in fact, John 14, verse 6. Remember what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. In His resurrection appearance, Jesus was showing His followers that He was the way, He was the truth, He was the life. He was the way to the kingdom. He was revealing the truth and was proving that life could only come through Him. You know, we... Uh, we live in a world of the spiritually dead and dying. That's the curse of sin. And if you don't know, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior yet, then I'm sad to say this, but you are dead in your sin. That's the way the Bible describes us. Without Jesus, we are dead in our sin. And you may be walking around breathing and living, you think, but spiritually, you're dead. And the only way for life to find life is through Jesus Christ. And so this day, this resurrection day, can be the day you find life. This can be the day that you see Him too. The same promise that the followers of Jesus needed to see Jesus you can see Him. He's revealed Himself in His Word. He came back to life to bring us life, to show us the truth, to show us the way. Jesus can be your way and truth and life. If you will confess your sin, put your faith in Him, He promises to give you His resurrection life today. You know, it's said that we are most alive when we have a reason to live. And those of us that are here this morning, if you know Christ as your Savior, then you have a reason to live. He is your reason to live because Jesus is alive. That's what we've been proclaiming today. And because He is alive, we have the way, we have the truth, we have the life. And you are more alive than anyone else 
on this planet because you have Christ. You are most alive when you have the resurrection life of Christ living in you. So on this resurrection day, not only do we proclaim that Jesus is risen, but we can also proclaim that we too who know Him one day will rise again as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You that You are the resurrected one and that Your promise is that You are resurrecting us. Lord, You breathe into us life by Your Spirit now, and You one day will resurrect our dead bodies to be with You forever, glorified as You were glorified in Your post-resurrection body. Thank You for that assurance. Thank You for that promise. Thank You that we can see You just as Your followers did. We can see that You are alive and living to make intercession for us at the throne of the Father. So, Lord, this morning I pray that we would leave from this place knowing that we no longer need to fear. We no longer need to be confused. We no longer need to be wandering any other place because you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Lord, thank you that we can be witnesses of that truth, that we can sing it out now and proclaim it again this day and every day. For the sake of our Lord and Savior, our risen King, Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.